Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Is it just is it just me? Is that when there's a week with a holiday or a week with a day off, it just throws me off. I get to be like, act. it's like, I don't know what day it is. It's like today, yeah. was it Friday or Thursday? I was like sort of discombobulated. Yeah, I, I get discombobulated too. Um, hey, Peter, we're live, by the way. Here's hey, something that started up in the uh, chat room and I want to sort of, I'm going to reemphasize it here. We'll, we'll do it now on uh, online here. Because um, someone just asked, hey, wh wh where do you stand on Foreigner? And I saw Foreigner, you know, without Lou Graham, and they're still really great. Now, here's the difference, though. They're really great touring. And yeah. same thing with Sticks. If you see Sticks now, they are great to see on tour. Yeah. But uh, here's the difference, though. I just was listening to tracks of Sticks' new album. Now, when you get somebody who joins the band way after the fact, one of these guys that, you know, wasn't, wasn't an original, but not even close to an original, but sort of has joined in more like a substitute. Is, it's is, still it's still Larry Gowan, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's talented. He's very talented. But it's on the album. I don't know if it's enough to, to get me to buy it. He's talented. No, no. But that's the problem is, look, I, I mean, there's a great video out there of, and this is really great. With Paul Rudd and uh, Jimmy Fallon doing too much time in my hands, the video, it, it's they mock it. It's great, right? Because it was a great video of its day, but it's easy to mock. But these guys are great on tour. But when you have that guy who has sort of joined the band really late in the game and they go and do something in the studio, it's just not the same. And even Yes had that problem. Uh, that last album they put out, I found one song I liked. And then Sticks is out, I probably find three that I like. Yeah, That's the problem. The, it's, it's funny because I, I, I'm, I'm somebody. somebody uh, uh, getting back, back on here. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think that's the key now. If you hear an echo, stop talking for like 20 seconds. It's a reset. Okay. Um, I'm, some, I'm somebody who prefers studio recording to live, to live music. But. When it comes to bands like Styx or Kansas or some of these older bands, I actually would rather see them live because they'll do some of the old songs. And then it's a question of whether whoever sing with them can do the old songs convincingly. Like I saw Stone Temple Pilots uh, yeah. earlier this year, and the new singer is not Scott Weiland, but they were really good. And I mm -hmm. would have no problem seeing Sticks or seeing Foreigner, even though it's not Lou Graham anymore and it's not, you know, it's Kansas and it's not. Um, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Walsh, Steve Walsh. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's not the original singers, but I would see that because at least they'll do some of the old material and it might be good. I'm not interested in their new lineups. And very rarely it's like, you know, maybe this is just something like, you know, we're all Genesis fans and we're, you know, we know that there was a pre-Gabriel or with Gabriel and post-Gabriel. And it's whether, you know, some people can't listen to Phil Collins stuff and some people can't. I mean, it's all what you can what you can accept, but I, you know, I mean, I, I I will not buy I will not buy albums from any of those bands, including Yes. I didn't buy the last Genesis album with who was it, Nick Wilson or whatever the hell his name was. Yeah. I'm not gonna buy it. No, I mean, I probably will buy the ARW album because I think Anderson Wakeman, knowing how Trevor Rabin is, they're gonna write some great stuff. He and Anderson, you know, they've been a, a team for a while. Yeah. 
you have to have a long time to build up chemistry. And like Phil Collins obviously had the chemistry with Genesis. That's why stuff was still great after Gabriel. You could argue whether who was better. I don't care. But when you have one of these guys that joins and they've been with the band two, three years, and then they go into the studio, it's just not the same as what you knew the band as. And the changes are pretty dramatic. Even though, look, the guitar solo sound good, stuff sounds good. I Like I said, I'll see Sticks every time on tour, but I'm probably not buying the album. And I'm not buying the album for a lot of these, you know, quick change bands. Now, can I can I switch? But after, uh, after, 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 that, and then I have another thing. Let me finish this thought for a second. Um, so, did you do you guys listen to the new stuff, like, or do you, you give it a chance? Do you buy the new? I'm mean, not buy the new album, but do you actually like. I just sampled it all to see if I would buy it, and there were maybe three songs worth that I would say is worth it. I give it a chance. I, I basically go through and see if I can find it on on uh, on YouTube or something like that, and listen to a couple songs. And if it doesn't like grab me, I'm like, forget it. You know, I'm not going to buy an album sight unseen or a CD or a download sight you're, unseen. You're not going to buy it just because. Um, I'm not that loyal. To, hell, there there are a couple Sarah McLaughlin albums that I didn't. Yeah, I'm not that loyal to any band anymore. You know, but there's a couple songs I picked here or there, and then I downloaded them. When I was 18, I was loyal to Yes, and I right. bought every album, right? But right. I bought all- Tormato. I bought Drama. Yeah, but they were but they were also rotating around a lot of guys that were very familiar long term guys with the band. Right. These other bands that I'm talking about, these guys, you know, may have been with the band now five years, you know, and that but it's still like you weren't there. There always has to be this linkage to me of a very long period of time with these guys. You can have Bill Bruford join any album and he'll be great. Sure. Let's say, let's say you are. Let's say you are. Um, I don't know. Pick, pick some. Say, say you're, let's say you're Trevor Raven. All right, but yeah. I'm gonna just pick somebody who's like a kind of like you're not original, but you know, but still pretty much can people consider. Now remember when Nine Two One Zero came out, Mike, there were people saying the same exact thing you're saying now about these new albums, right? <laughs> they, they finally started to listen yeah. to it. That's true. Right. I mean, I I listened I listened to it. I was open to it, and I'm like, okay, this is good. So yeah, I know. I mean, because I mean, a lot most of my prog rock fans when that came out, including myself. <laughs> We're like, oh, this doesn't. There's, there's, there's. All the songs are five, four minutes, four minutes long. You know, like I remember not liking it. I know, yeah, people, I know. Thing, I, and my wife remembers me saying this too. Wasn't the biggest owner of a Lonely Heart fan. I think the live versions are better than the studio versions when they do it in concert. Over the years, it's sort of aged well. But when that was thrown out at the beginning, I was like, you know, there's stuff here. I want to hear more. Then when I heard changes, I was like, all right, fine. I'm right. I'm, Right. I know I know people who stopped listening to Genesis after Wind and Wuthering. After Hackett left, they stopped. Yeah. So yeah, no, you know, um, our buddy Eric, um, the guy was always a prog rock fan, and he was like more into blues music and stuff like that. Growing up, we were all friends. Sure. Um, he went to Hershey Park, and just he was there anyway, right? And he was just and the way Hershey Park works is if there's a concert going, you 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 can just go to it. It's free, right? Oh. You, you're in the park. And that day happened to be when Yes was there, Ooh, right. the Raven for nine hundred two one zero tour. Oh, and um, and Eric Solit was blown away, became a huge Jess fan, and got into all of their old stuff. All nine hundred two one five. Sorry, <laughs> I don't want you back, yeah. um, nine hundred two one five. Always there. I don't want you back. Nine hundred two one zero is a uh, worse. Is, is, is a bad bad nineties TV show. So um, no, but um, but and because of because of that new new album, got into all the old stuff. So by making that argument, okay, these guys who are touring around now. This is why this is why some of the other people who aren't Mary Touring are are okay with them using 
the name because say somebody comes in and like they became a fan of it and then they go back and they get become a fan of everything you know what yeah I mean? there's a secondary effect to it yes right. they can they can they can buy they can derive revenue from these bands basically being like one you know like a, a band touring as Leonard Skinner where everybody except like one person is the person who yeah. didn't who died didn't die in the plane crash and but the they you know that that I mean to me to me to me I, I put the number at like okay the most important thing is is the lead singer is the lead singer in the band right that to me is that to me is the most important thing if they are the band because to me right the instruments are instruments I know the differences between different guitar tunes and stuff like that but a singer is a singer is a real character however uh, you know I I have seen the new sticks and the guy is is phenomenal all right so phenomenal doing Dennis DeYoung doing Dennis DeYoung right which let's face it like if you're a sticks fan from the 80s all you're doing is, is going down memory lane. You're just going for a nostalgic, fun concert. Right. You're not going there to be like right. to be blown away. You're going because it'll be corny and cheesy, and you know that's just what you're doing. You know that's part I, of it. I mean, I want to hear. I want to hear. Go ahead, go ahead, Peter. Well, well, think of it this way: fast forward thirty years from now, who yeah. are you going to see doing this again? The, the, we're at the end of the golden age. Like this is the end of the golden age of music. There's no one going to come out and pretend to be Taylor Swift or Beyonce. Or right. Jay Z, like right. you can't replace those guys. The music stands with this stuff because the music is more important than the actual personalities or people who are making it. And that's why you can have Leonard Skinner still playing. That's why you can have these variations yeah. and sticks and Journey and and all these things. The music still stands, yeah. and it right. won't stand yeah. differently because you you you, you yes. to to replace what we're seeing now. Will be basically, um, there'll be the the, the tribute bands. acts. They'll be like cover, almost cover the Beatles, bands, cover bands, and, and or stuff. the or the so, sons of the sons of or something yeah. like that. Look, I'm a live music guy. I that's that's my jam. I basically listen to everything live. Um, I have an app on my phone that uses the live music archive that I can stream basically any live recording off the live music archive, and it's like incredible that. what's there. And I, I like the spontaneity of live music. I know, Eck, you're not someone who wants to listen to someone jam on a bar for 15 minutes or whatever it is. That's that's my thing. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But the most interesting thing is, if you're a great performer, you make your live event unique to that audience that night. Sure. Right. And the one thing that changed the music industry, and a few bands have picked up on it, but not many have, is you should make your live performance available as a stream feature for your audience with a ticket stub. And there's a few bands to do that. And yeah. then they get, they, they have their emotional attachment to go and say to their kids 20 years from now, look where I was at. I got to hear Taylor yeah. Swift and yeah. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but if she makes her concert unique to that audience, there's value in that recording and people Whoa. will go for it. And then they'll want to share the recordings and hear other ones and it will further the motion. Well, one thing, and then then I want to just move on quickly to something else. But you know, Bruce Hornsby is one of my favorites, oh. and he's been hev heavily influenced by the Dead, and he always and he always allows live recordings at his concerts. And you know, on his website, you're able to download some concerts. I was at a concert at uh, uh, Turning Stone Casino. Uh, this is maybe ten years ago, and at a certain point during the during the uh, the concert, he asks for requests from the crowd. So I yelled out this song that I'm sure he was probably going to play anyway. And he's like, you know, I'm going to play the song that this very rather loud gentleman in the second row over here is asking for. And, <laughs> I, and, and I, you know, I heard my, I heard myself yelling out the song 
I heard him acknowledge it because I have the bootleg recording. That's special that's, to me. That's really cool. Sure. That's really yeah. cool. You know, so I mean, I, I, I like that. By saying, I looked it up. Gowan actually did an album with him in 03, and he probably did another one with him. But I just, I don't like him enough as him yeah. with the band to buy the new music. Trevor Rabin on his own, I found stuff before he was with Yes that I thought was really good. I like Gowan with that band doing their songs. It's a difference. There's a now, difference. Now, th we, we can take this. music podcast, guys, because. Yeah, uh, no, no, we definitely have. Topic that we get into right right here, which is like when a, when a band won't, refuses to play their hits on stage. That's another thing. Oh, that's another whole show. Because yeah. I've run into that situation. I got in a really big fight with about that. Well, let, we can carry this, what I'm going to talk about here, to, to hockey because I think it's it's applicable. Uh, you know, yesterday there was the postmortem of the Yankees lost to the Red Sox and I watched a lot of, uh, yeah, I know, don't don't so don't smile too broadly because that team's going to get their ass handed to them by Houston. Um, okay. The, the, the criticism of the Yankees in the, especially in the last, in the last couple games, of that series was, you know, and Aaron Boone was hired as a manager because he was, he bought into the analytics uh, you know, that, that the Yankee management wanted to, wanted to use. And, but the, the concern was he was not an, this was his first time managing. He's not an experienced manager and that he would be a slave to the analytics. And in the last two games that, you know, there was a lot of criticism of him not pulling the starting pitchers early enough because they were, they were not pitching well, but they had, they had the game scripted out based on matchups to pull the starting pitcher at a certain point and then and then go from there. And the thing is, like in hockey, you cannot script things out based on numbers. And this is the problem with sport now if it's based purely on on analytics is that you're trying to predict something that is a chaotic situation. Are you and saying I, Darren Boone that did this? Yeah, they, there's there's uh -huh. yeah, Boone Boone didn't pull Sabathia early enough in, in in game in game four when it was clear he didn't have his good stuff. Severino was kept in way too long. Okay, they should have pulled him. Thing. My criticism that I didn't get to yesterday was that they why would you bring in Lance Lynn and put the game on his shoulders? This is a guy. This is very similar to John Tortorella putting the game on Ole Okunin's stick when a whole season rode on it in the shootout against the Flyers. Winner because because they had they had. Do this. They had it scripted out that Lance Lynn was the best matchup based on numbers compared compared to other really. And the thing is, Lance Lynn is a starting pitcher, so bringing him in in relief. I mean, they, that's the thing. They're slave to the numbers. They don't believe, you know, they, they think the numbers speak to everything. But where it, you're talking about like real life, real situations, pressure. Uh, those things cannot be quantified, but they can sure. be a feel situation. And I think we're going to go down that road in hockey. At least we're, we, I think we're going to go I, down I that road. Will, I don't think we will in hockey. I, I'll say this. Like I remember some pinch hitters, like there was a guy, Tommy Hutton. He, yep. he got traded to every team in the, in the national league East, wherever Tom Seaver was, Tommy Hutton was. Yeah. And this guy tore him apart as a pinch hitter. So it'd be once a game. Um, but and if that's if that's the guy, yeah, I would probably take Seaver out if it's bases loaded because I don't want him to pitch to that guy. Other than that, I would never take Seaver out, and I would not worry about who is up at the plate. And right. same with all these other things. You, there are some things that look really good when you have a really long list of data on it. But what I'm finding is is that a lot of these new managers in baseball they don't have a long list of data. 
They're just going with whatever data they has, like Gabe Kapler taking guys out in the second inning with the Phillies. He doesn't have – he didn't have a lot of historic data to use. He just had some data, and because it pointed to it, thought it was a good idea. You can't be a slave to the numbers. That's it. Anyway. Really Unless you're an accountant. <laughs> Even then. All right, as we've learned. All right, let's start the show. Mm-hmm. All, right, all right. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I've got like a couple things going on here. It's interesting. There might be a rumor I made up by the end of the show, so I'm working on that. Um, okay. Give us a sneak preview at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely. I'll definitely. I promise. I will tell you something about this by the end of the show. Okay. Hello, hockey world. It is Thursday, October 11th, 2018. I'm Hurricane Michael Agello. Yeah. I'm, I'm gloating Pete Tessier. I forgot. <laughs> sorry, Pete. Rush, you forgot the order. I know. I just went. Sorry. Well, go, go, because we I did. Here. I talked over Pete. It's over. And I am Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in the comings and goings in the hockey world. And before we get into last night's games, and there were some interesting games last night and different things like that, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I wrote about today, which was um, the you know, which is which is a big topic today around the league. Everywhere you look, it's the amount of scoring we have in the NHL going on right now, right? Which is an enormous, um, enormous uptick in scoring. Um, even based on the regular, based on what we normally see in the beginning of the year, which is normally high, higher scoring too, but this is this is much higher. And um, I'm hoping that you guys didn't get a chance to read my blog. I, not you guys out there, but the people on the panel here, so that we, so that I can give you some of these because I think these will be some of these things will surprise you like crazy. And I'll give you some of the stuff, not all of it, because I did a lot of different statistical things in my blog, which I know Russ loves. But um, so. I came up with a uh, with a new a new saying, an extremely odd stat. Okay, all right. So this is my extremely odd stat. Brum-bum. We are. It feels like like I grew up, and we kind of all grew up in this town, kind of in the '80s. You know, that's sort of where we, where you know, we were we were young, and I was I graduated high school in '86, um, and you know that so that the '80s were our time, and. So when I graduated in 86, that's the same year that Gretzky set the record for the most scoring ever by a player. This is when scoring was off the charts. And, um, of course, that's when I was trying to be a, a goalie <laughs> in, in a league that was, in, you know, not, not in the NHL, but just in general. Um, there was no defense being played. No one wanted to play defense. Every, you know, when you, went to, when you played in hockey, everybody wanted to score, score, score. Right. Um, you know, so in 1985 and 86, at the end of that year, um, that is the year that Gretzky, Gretzky had – you know, was a top player, and he had 2.69 points per game. 2.69 points per game that year for Wayne Gretzky um, in 85-86. And he played 80 games. So, um, in that year, in that year, how many players do you guys think finished with over averaging over a point per game in 1985-86? About 20. Okay, 20. What do you think? Oh, 30. All right, Russ. 22. How about 45? Okay. 45 players averaged over a point per game in 1985-86. Let's go 30 years ahead. Yeah. 2015-2016. In that year, the uh, Patrick Kane had the had the most points per game. Um, at, um, but I'm not going to tell you what the number was because that will help you a little bit. But how many people do you think scored – over average over a point per game, and I I'm, I'm, well, I cut it off at over sixty games. That was my limit. Well, Kane didn't Kane didn't have over a hundred points that year, so I would say it's in single digits. So I'll say six. All right, Peter. I was going to say four. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a say four. What year are we talking about now? 2015. 2015, 2016. I think Peter, you were really close to the first one. Peter was close to the first one. I'm going to go five. All right, Mike got this one. Six. Six. Right. So six. So we're, we dropped in 30 years from 45 to six. All right. Um, now, um, 2016-17. Best word of year. Um, how many? Connor McDavid. This is Connor McDavid's first year that he led this category. I think it's around the same, so I'll say seven. Seven. Peter? Sorry, say that again, Eck. The, the next year, what, what do you think? How many how many players were over a point a game? I'm gonna say eight. Okay, ten. Uh, Peter would be right. That's 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 uh, Peter's. I think winning this thing so far, big time. The eight, eight is exactly it. Now, last year, how many players? I uh, will start with you, oh. Russ. So you can get to go first. first. You never get to go first. I'm gonna go six. Six. Okay. I'll I'll stick with I'll go with eight. Okay, Peter. Seven. Twenty-two. Yeah. See, I friggin' hate this game. Move on. All right, yeah, no, but, but I'm trying please. to get here. All right, then and I'm moving on because now <laughs> I'm moving on. Now the, that so this has been going on and on. No, no more guessing, guys. I won't make you guess anymore. But right now we're only we're only three or four games in for most teams, right? And that's 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 basically where we are. Um and of course you're gonna have more more than this than you would think. But currently how many players? I do want you to guess one more. Do you think have are averaging more than point a game if they played at least three games? The three, three or the three or four gamers. I'm um, I would say at least seventeen. Okay, now before we say that, remember that the team. These are teams that have not played three games. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you a big hint. That's Edmonton, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Florida, New Jersey, St. Louis, Montreal, Minnesota. So Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and Tampa have not played three games yet. So they're not included in this. These are twenty-three teams. Players in twenty-three teams only. Seventeen. 17. What do you think? Peter? Sorry, say that, what was the question again? <laughs> Sorry. Right, how many Just players? Give us the number. Peter. Just give us the number. Give us it. I have a point here. Uh, a point per game. Um, Peter, how many players who have played three or more games this year so far are averaging a point per game? Oh. Remembering Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and Tampa have not played three games, so they're not included in it. So there's only 23 teams that have played three. Oh, I think it's it's high. It's going to be like over 20. Okay. Russ. 12. You ready for this? 83. Okay. Whoa. All right. Um, and and there are currently 18 players who are averaging over two points a game. Yeah, I should have knew, known it was higher because we have seen a ton of scoring. But Eight whatever. I over two points a game. The highest right wow. now being – um. Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley are tied with 10 points. And the Leafs have four players. Because they played four games and Tyler's played three. Tyler actually has more points per game. He's at 2.67. But but even that, and I'll let you put your point. Remember, Tyler's, again, is doing unbelievably and crazy. 2.67 points per game right now. It's four games. No, I I, I know that. But I'm just saying that is less than Gretzky's 2.69 of 1985-86. Yeah, I mean, that's – Put Gretzky in perspective for a second, you know, just like. Well, no, it, it, I mean, it puts Gretzky in perspective in the sense that he was a fast player with unbelievable skills in a league where Brad Marsh was a top defenseman. So, you know, the, the right. league was slow at that point. Skating and two-minute shifts were were the norm. I went back last. I went back to last year, the first week of the season, just like this is the first week of the season to see how many there were since they're eighty-three. I like yeah. the first week of the season. Same thing, three or four games. There was twenty-eight. So we're, we're looking at like an enormous uptick in scoring here by, and especially enormous uptick in multiple in players getting multiple points. Like players. I don't think it will last. Heck. I think we're yeah. seeing it. Oh, because, last. 
I'm going to give you the, the stat that you're not tracking, and I don't expect you to, is how few of these stars played in preseason, and especially on defense, and especially with goaltending. And right. we're not seeing very good goaltending. We're seeing yeah. lousy defense from a lot of teams that are supposed to be better defensively. At most, they play. I actually talked to a coach about this the other night when I was down at the arena because I went to a scout actually that was there, former coach. And I said, what do you think that? What do you think this has to do with it? And he said, I'll tell you what I think it has to do with. It has to do with the fact that as a coach, I, w- I think it's more important now that I get my scores going than my defense going in the beginning of the year. So he's like, so he's like, we're not really in the first month or so of the season. You want to make sh- you if your defense is terrible, yeah, you can fix that. If your I scores think, get off to bad starts, that's a problem. I think that's part of it, but I also think that Russ is right in the sense that, like, I, I can only I can only tell you what but what Buffalo and Toronto did. They played their star players like Eichel or Matthews or Tavares half of the preseason games. They didn't play them eight; they played them four. They they alternated only like at the end did they did they play them together? They mostly played them on separate squads. I think I think that goaltenders are not sharp to start the season because they're facing AHL caliber for most yeah. of the preseason. Yeah. The defenses, for to greater or lesser extent, the pairings are not the same. They they put veteran guys with the young guys to see how they play in different situations. And when you know, very rarely are, are defensemen playing with their regular partners, and then they throw them throw them together. But offenses are more. I, I think offense and scoring is easier to just jump in early in the year than it, than than defense and goaltending. And I'll give you an example. The Leafs scored 23 goals in the first four games last year. You would think that this year is pre- precedent setting. They've scored three less goals. They've scored 20. Yeah. And they're leading the league. So I think this is a small yeah. sample size. It's, it's it's very early. I mean, I, I realize that, you know, Toronto has scored seven goals in consecutive games, and there are other teams out there that are like, like I didn't expect Carolina to light it up offensively, but they're doing it right now. But let's let's wait until the end of October before we say the 80s are back. Welcome. Well, and here's the other thing, Mike. I think we're limited in the game of hockey for defensive schemes to say – I'm not going to worry about the defense. If it's not good at the beginning, I can fix it. You can't really fix if you fix no, it I, if you have poor personnel. You can't. I don't right. disagree with you, but this is the thing I think about. This is the thing I think about that. I think that what, he's, what he was saying to me when I was talking to him was a little more context was, you know, if you are Austin Matthews right now, um, mm-hmm. you are – Babcock's not telling him to be smart defensively right now. Like that's, that's not, this is no, this, at this point. In, I mean, at some point in the season, he will, you know, and that's the difference. Like he will say, okay, you gotta be more aware of your own, of, of your own end right now. He's not doing that. And that's, and Tyler Sagan's not getting that either. And you're getting like, you know, you're not, like in the past, you know, remember, remember when, when Trotz tried to reel Ovechkin and you're not getting any of that right now because they wanted, they want these guys to get hot and get on a streak. Yeah. They want them to roll. Babcock's riding the offensive wave right now, and until they get hit in the nose by right. some team and who who shuts them down, he's going to continue to do that because there are not many teams in the league that can match up with him offensively. But he knows, and everybody knows, that when it comes down to crunch time, if this team doesn't play better and if other teams don't play their be- play better defensively, they will lose in the first round, or they will lose. Okay. They won't achieve their goal. Before we get into individual teams again, let's just go macro for a second again, okay? So I want to do that before we get into the individual stuff, um, and we will. But how many – so now we can think about this. So, so we went from – in the last three years, we've gone from six to nine to 22, right, of, of 
guys, you know, scoring at least one point average you know, of the scop scores getting that many points. Yeah. Um, and in the eighties, it was 45. Um, where are we going to land this year? What do you think? I think about the same as we did last year, maybe a little slightly more, because this is the trend within the in the era of the salary cap, where we see teams like say Detroit, who are rebuilding with what four rookies on their blue line, and it's because of injuries right now. Right. But they're playing Chalowski, they're playing was it Sulak, they're playing Joe Hicketts. A lot of teams are playing young players who in the past would be playing in the American hockey league and being more well-rounded, but teams now because of salary cap are playing players on their entry level deals that aren't completely fully formed. So I think that's contributing to the offensive uptick more than, you know, like rule changes or anything like that. Yeah, I do too. I think you'll have 200 point scores. That's what I think you'll have. And then I think you'll have, have two you know, four players in like, between the nineties and high eighties. Okay. Yeah. So we think we're gonna so we could we could get to maybe thirty or something like that. Like it thirty. Unless you were at twenty two, you think we're gonna keep and we've been a big jump from set from six. We're this is going exponentially, you know, like six to nine to twenty two. That's that's yeah, I think Mike's right. I think the early in the season, this is what we're getting, and late in the season, when we're going for draft picks, you're gonna get that for the last month too. Right. And, and it is stat padding. But, uh, you know, as an example, if you're going to tell me that Dave Haxtell thinks giving up the 19 goals that they've given up in the four games is a good recipe or he could get it all under control, yeah, I would debate that. Yeah, it was interesting how they rushed Alex Lyon. I thought I thought they really that he's now been activated inside of the fans. I felt like that was a little quicker than they wanted to. But well, I, think, I think that's okay, but I think – I think that's you know again, but before before we that again, we're getting into special teams. But I do want to say this. I want to so so I'm going to say that I'm going to I think we're going to hit 35 this year. That's what I was thinking. And I think that which is getting close to the 80s numbers. And when you start think, I mean, I don't. Will anybody be at two point? Well, how you know are any of these guys two points a game? No, nobody. No, that's I a mean, hundred and so about that. Like, I am not convinced that oh, we can't see them. Nobody. I'm not convinced that's we can't see that. Act that's 162 points. 64, but yep. Mm -hmm. 164, excuse me. Okay. Yeah. No, not happening. Not in this day and age. Not with, I mean, I think you're going to have players. I, I think if somebody has an absolute superstar season like McDavid or Matthews or somebody like that, they're going to get into the 110s, 120s at the most. Yeah, 120s is it. You'll, you'll die somewhere in the 120s. Yeah. That's possible. I mean, think about, think about this last thing and then we'll move on. Think about the fact that Gretzky had 2.69 points per game with a two-line pass. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that—that's the thing that I was like, I would just—I'm just so curious. I, you know, I wish I could go back in time and eliminate the two-line pass, and also like a lot of the clutching and but grabbing. He would goals. adapt. It wouldn't matter. You think? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. That Edmonton team with with the speed that Edmonton team had. It doesn't at matter. That He's the smartest guy in the ice. If you're the smartest guy in the ice. You know where to go. No, no, he would adapt. He would, he would, he would love it. I'm not. I'm, I'm quite. You're, I'm thinking. Will other people be able to adapt to him quicker? I mean, would he be over three points a game? Basically? No, he wouldn't be over three. I think he would still be right around the same because he would be facing faster, stronger defensemen. No, 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 no. This, no, no, he wouldn't. I'm saying. I'm saying. Just, just go back to 1985 and get rid of the two line pass. All right, then he probably would be at three. I think he's at three because I mean, like that Edmonton Oilers team was just so bad all around. Yeah, I think he'd be at three then. 
you know, and I don't think that I think that even if they had the idea to eliminate the two line pass back then, they wouldn't have because of Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers. Like that would have been that would have been. Yeah, because the other, why would anybody else, if you were another team, vote for that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, it, it would be it would be like the league changing the power play from it being two minute majors when the Montreal Canadiens were scoring a what a forty percent right. rate on the power play or something right. like that. Right. Crazy like that. I mean, Peter, yeah, I mean, you were definitely closer to the Oilers. I mean, what do you what are your thoughts on this? In terms of. In terms of like if if you know if if uh, if we had no two line pass in 1985, what are Wayne Gretzky's numbers? Well, you know, I I don't know if there are any. I I don't know if it's a massive difference because I think the reason scoring was so much better is be then is because goalies were absolute sieves. Yeah, they are a disaster compared to what they are now. Yeah. It's funny, my son, my oldest son was watching something about a month ago and it was something he saw and he goes, he goes, oh my God, he goes, I could have played in the NHL in the 80s because yeah. the goalies are so no, bad. let's not go that yeah. far. <laughs> Hold on. The point being is that when you see people who never watched it and they go back and oh, look yeah. at it, they're just like, that. come on. And that's the biggest change that has happened. And the scale. Yeah. So, so if, 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 if the point to the point though, if the two line pass has moved it would would increase the ability for guys to get free, then the Oilers would have achieved it with guys like Coffee and, yeah. and their talent pool on the ice. And I mean, imagine how many guys Gretzky would have set up in from his own end. Like oh, Anderson, man. Curry, Messier, just they were so fast. If you, I mean, I, I lived through that. I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm so happy I got to see them play live in their heyday. They were so so much faster than everybody else. Um, that two line pass was definitely a shackle around them. You know, like that was no, there's no question about that. That if that's not there, if if Gretzky doesn't have to think about the two line pass, you're sending Curry down the wing. There's no, there's no one. There's because the biggest thing is like they just skated better than everybody by a lot. You know, it wasn't even close. Just to illustrate Peter's point, 1986, uh, guess how many goaltenders, and I'm talking about starting goalies, had mm -hmm. an over 900 save percentage. Now, 900 right now is considered below average. Are they think, average? I don't think any of them did. Uh, yeah. Russ, do you think any of them did? Zero. I don't think any of them did. Peter? Sorry, say that again. Who had over, the over 900 save percentage for a starting goaltender in 1986. Do you think oh, it's um, it's Hextall. No, uh, 86, not eighty-seven. That was the oh, year. Whoops. Yeah. How, I mean, how many? How many were over nine hundred? I don't think any. Two. Bob <laughs> Bob Froze. Okay. And and, and Kelly Rudy. And the Froze was a backup. Oh. They were both backups, weren't they? Froze was a backup played, then too. Yeah. Froze played fifty-one games. It's still then. Okay. Yeah. So he, yeah. He, and, and and to that point, this is why. Dominic Hasek was so unbelievable when he came out of the yeah. tail end of all that and he just showed up and did things that no one had ever seen. I mean, this is yeah. what puts him on the pedestal above all others. But but basically what you're saying is other than two goaltenders, an 895 save percentage out of a starter gets you sent to the minors now. Yeah. Right. And getting under three for goals against average was a big deal. Like, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's well, got... That was growing up, but in that era it was. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot of guys like Dan Cloutier and Andre Pavlik who wish they could have played in the '80s. Yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. but I mean, but this is why guys like Richter sort of changed the game because it was training methods yeah. for goalies. See, I, I brought this up on another show recently. Like goalies, we used to just look at as 
you know, a little better than kickers. Like they were different from yeah. the rest of the team. They were athletes, but they weren't on par with everybody else. They, they were under their own thing. Now you look at goalies and they're just as good at athletes as anybody else on the team, but that was not always the case. Hmm. You're right. It was not always the case. And I, I remember Richter B. I remember the quickness. I remember how much that changed. Yeah, he was a freak. And people were also why Pelly Lindbergh. Yeah, Pelly Lindbergh started that to a degree, too. Yeah. And, and that's why he was so great. I mean, that's yeah. why. And, and, and the the advent of the butterfly and bigger goaltenders and bigger equipment, all those yeah. things contributed to the save percentages going up. And as you know, and that's another thing we we didn't mention, and I won't go into it that much. But the equipment being trimmed down, I, I've heard a few goaltenders who have had, you know, I guess the 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 the, the, the torso is is more wide open. I've seen a lot more situations where goalies are looking behind them on shots that normally they wouldn't. So maybe that's having an effect too. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. All right, so let's talk a little bit of um, Vegas Golden Knights for a second, okay? Because okay. they now have to go into Pittsburgh. I mean, this is not an easy. They they weren't definitely not handed a wonderful schedule by the uh, NHL here. I mean, they get one game at home and then they go on the road to some pretty tough buildings. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're they're they could very easily lose in Pittsburgh and be one in five. Um, you know, does this matter? <laughs> This is why I picked them to be a um, a wild card team because no Nate Schmidt, you, yeah. you had a hard road schedule. Like they're going to play a Saturday afternoon game at one o'clock against Philly. That's not easy for them. Yeah. I mean they're adjusted at this point, but we knew they were going to have a hard, a slow start to the season without Nate Schmidt. That's that's the bottom line, and we knew they weren't going to be as dynamic as last year. Like this is all pretty much the way. You know, this is the one time we got it right with the Vegas Knights. Last year, we all got it wrong. Yeah, I mean, they haven't won in regulation since the since the conference finals. I was told or something like that, right? No, 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 no. Since no in regulation since um, game, game one. one, game one, game one of the Stanley Cup finals, right? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, this is um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, and, and it really, you, I mean, you gotta feel bad for them in some ways. I mean, they're you know, with these injuries and stuff like that, and just the fact that they're playing these to playing these really tough teams, and everybody everybody's gunning for them. I, I that's why I picked them not to be a playoff team. I eight think goal, eight goals for fifteen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, their de- I mean, their defense without Schmidt and you know is is is, is I think is below par. Now remember, Shea Theodore missed most of training camp, so there's another yeah. thing. So you know, and most and a lot of their defense defensemen like uh, uh, the like England are a year older. So I mean that that's and there's a settling in process with players. And now now uh, now Paul Stastny is hurt, right? So I mean you know it's yeah I mean th- that's the thing. There's also has three points in four games, which is excellent, but yeah. no goals. Right. When you get guys like get get guys like um like Stastny and Patrick, they do get hurt. Yeah. Uh, and like the, the the Knights last year just managed to be pretty much, except for you know Flurry, pretty much injury free. That also helps yeah. a ton, you know. And that's a huge thing when you get, especially when you start getting older, established players. They definitely do get hurt. But I, I know somebody who wants to thank um, Ross today, and that would be Jacob Voracek. For last, <laughs> last night, at the end of the show, at the very end of the show, you said something like Jacob Voracek has just looked horrible. When's he going to show up? Yeah, it's like what is he doing? And I, I said quickly, like there was that one incredible move that we that we saw in, in, that was just that one of those like you don't see all the time like a a, a move that makes the entire building gasp. Yeah, you know that that's one of my favorite things in hockey when just like everybody's just and he he came around 
was on the power play. He, he surprised even Drew. We passed the puck to that he because he stopped on a dime and at, at the blue line and and, and just everybody else went flying by him. It like yeah. it, it was an incredibly skilled. And play. I acknowledged it, but it's, I still didn't see the points. And yeah, but the thing is, so watching that that game again for the Flyers, their defense was hot garbage. And and I mean and and actually and Pickard played great. Like I know it's hard to say a guy played great giving up four goals. Yeah. But in that first period, he held them in that game. They were getting destroyed. Yeah. Destroyed. Yeah, they were they really were. I agree with you. I mean, it was crazy. They're still not cured. They're not fixed. Oh yeah, they're not they're not not at all. No, there's no way they're fixed. And you know, there's I mean now there's a lot there's a lot more to do there. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And now Voracek definitely bailed him out. Hey, Brady Kachuk had a great game. Again, if people who were against me having Brady Kachuk second, my second ranked guy in the draft ahead of like Sadina and Svechnikov, yeah. you're starting to see why. It's not it wasn't because those other guys weren't great. It's just because Kachuk can do more in a game than those other guys can do. Yeah, and, and just to illustrate that, and I told you about this before uh, yesterday, Russ, um, Pierre Lebrun wrote a piece on the in the athletic about uh there was a lot of chatter in Dallas about Ryan O'Reilly being traded to the Canadians. And the, apparently the Sabres were looking for uh, the number, the number three pick that they ended up taking Kutkin Yemi with didn't end up, didn't end up happening. But if the Sabres would have gotten that pick, they would have taken Brady Kachuk. They, now the reason they would have taken Kachuk is because he played with middle stat. There, you know, there was a, there was a relationship there going, going, playing back to the, I think the U S national development program. Um, but there's, you know, and they played together at the world junior in Buffalo, but that it's a, it's a statement also to the talent of Brady Kachuk. He's big. He's got that mean streak like his brother does. I mean, I'm not saying Zadina is not going to be a good pro because he is, and I'm not saying Svechnikov isn't going to be a good pro, but there's that intangible that Brady Kachuk has that not many players have nowadays, and that's a pain in the ass to play against. So I, that's why I, I, I agreed with Russ then, and I agree with him now, that he's a guy that I would have thought taking number two after after uh, uh, after the number one pick after Dolly. And here's, and here's where I think you know the Canadians got it wrong. Kukiyemi is a really good player, and I think he can be an all-star player, even at center, I do. But they could have put Brady Kachuk at center in a couple of years, too. And he's played center, and if you'd have let him get in the league, get his confidence at the wing, I still think he could play center, too. And, and that would be a scary proposition, having that guy at center someday. But we're never going to see it. You know, he's going to stay on the wing. That's fine. But that's where I felt like I, I still felt like Montreal was going to take a chuck. I heard they liked him. I don't yeah, know. Do. I don't know what went, what made them change. Maybe Kokinami just, you know, he made them change. Maybe they felt like he was just more adaptable at center, and that and that probably is true. Well, you used the, that's definitely going to be true. You used the expression "hot garbage." That's what the Montreal center situation was going in, and th yeah. that's the thing. It's like and I mean, that, that definitely had a factor. Yeah, it was a factor. Totally agree. Um, anything else from last night that you guys had? Well, just just that I mean, after they got one victory against the uh, against the Leafs last Saturday, you know, people were saying, well, maybe Ottawa's not going to be as bad as as you think. Yeah, they are. I mean, I'm, there's a there's talent there. There's no doubt. Kachuk is talented. And, you know, guys like Zingle, and you know, you got Stone, and you got Duchesne, but and you you got some young guys on defense. But they, I I, I don't know if I'm almost sure they've played Anderson all four games. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not deep. 
They're very young. And, you know, they got they got their dander up to play against Toronto last Saturday, but they're just not they're they're not a team ready for prime time. So yeah, no question. You know, this, well, I, I, you know what though? They could have beaten the Flyers. Craig Anderson was awful. Yeah, yeah, was. That, was, that was the surprising thing about the game. I, I was watching the game and, and we had a bunch going on here, and I actually, everything. I, I actually asked somebody. I asked actually asked my wife, who's actually got got to watch it more than I did because I was running around talking to people about possible rumors, which is what I do. And um, he, um, she said, I said, is Craig Anderson playing? Like, I because I, I didn't even think it was Craig Anderson because that's how bad the goals looked to me. Well, exactly. they have a good backup in Condon. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'll check. Well, Condon had just played, so I guess they felt like they needed to get the time in for Anderson because uh, Condon had played in Boston. Wasn't that the game before? I think that's yeah. what yeah. Well, You know, the laws that they can't play him again. I, uh, we know what the law is. I just thought he was so bad that that definitely gave the Flyers a chance. Here's the other thing though. So I did watch a fair amount of the Capitals game and, you know, I'm not sure it would have mattered if you were the last year's Vegas Golden Knights that played them. I, I right yeah. now the Capitals are a team playing with, so much confidence. Kuznetsov is every bit as good as you ever thought he was and more. And and they're just dominating teams. Like, it's just gotten to the point now where, you know, they've turned into the kind of team like the Penguins were. And maybe yeah. the Penguins can get back to that because we, we never can count them out. But right now, it doesn't matter who the coach is. That's why I said, you know, it didn't matter that they switched coaching. That's irrelevant. You know, he's been there long enough with that team they weren't going to miss a beat, and they haven't missed a beat. That's pretty yeah. But here, here you go. Craig Anderson in <laughs> in three games has faced 124 shots. He's averaging 41 shots per game. Yeah, it's not a good formula. I agree. No, that's that's not good at all. Um, that's a bad. It's a bad formula. The other thing is, so I I saw that Dylan Strome got on the board, and um, and the Coyotes won, and and that's. I will give the Coyotes tremendous amount of credit because I felt like they've handled Dylan Strome the correct way all this time. doesn't matter where you get picked in the draft. You have to go by the player and mm -hmm. see what their comfort level is and what their talent level is and what you're waiting to come around. And they did. And like Mike said, last year was a great year for Strome in the AHL. I was watching a little bit of him there. I didn't have any worries. He looks good, man. And they, they did the right thing with him. And the stunning thing in that game is that after we heard all the stuff that we were hearing during the summer, that Ryan Kessler comes back, he gets cleared, and he plays, and he scores a goal. I think yeah. like three minutes into the first period. Now I don't know, you know, I don't know what his how, you know, like how I, I'm. I don't think they would have brought him back if his health situation was tenuous. So, but you know, the wear and tear of, a, of the regular season, we'll see how long he lasts. But it was a little like this, Mike, and I don't. I might be totally wrong, but I was talking to people about this. Yeah, you know, sometimes when players like at Kessler's point, right? He is not going to get any better, like that kind of thing, you know? Like, so it's like, he's not going to be healthy, but he's not going to get any better either. They're going to try to manage it. So, yeah, so the player's like, you know what? I just want to play. I, this might be my last year, but I'm not ready to retire yet. I still think I have something to give. So they're they're just going to, like, if he was any other player who would have the chance of actually getting better, they'd be holding him out. But so that's which is what they were doing for a while. But I think, and I might be totally wrong on this. It's just, this is just what it feels like, you know? This, and, and that and that was that was that was like that with Wendell Clark at the end of his career with 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 the, his back injury they they just managed it he could he couldn't play a full eighty two games but he played as many games as he could and you just say you say it's, at some point if you're an NHL player and you want to keep playing for one more year you just say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna suffer through this because this I've gotten beaten up a lot you know and 
I mean, you're paying me a lot. I mean, I, you know, you know, Ryan Kessler's not a guy who likes getting those big, getting big paychecks and not contributing. You know what I mean? He's like, sure. so that that also I mean, he's sure, a gamer. I mean, there's no question. Sure, that plays into it. He's just incredibly frustrated, you know, because he's he can he's getting huge amounts of money for not playing, and that's got to affect him. And he's yeah. got to say, I'm not going to really. Am I? How much better am I going to get? Twenty percent better? You know, I've, I've heard players say this before, and and come back and then they'll, they'll never say it publicly you'll never see it publicly yeah, so no, no, but i get it but it's also just a worry that they go back on the shelf not as help you know yeah. well if they go back on the shelf that's where they the way the way they think about it, that's where they were anyway you know it's like that's yeah, like so yes. i i you know i kind can of they, can they if whatever they have is not something that is like if it's like a back type thing where it's not going to matter it, it's yeah. not you know what i mean then it's just what it is. Eck, we need to talk about something that's been brought up on a couple different shows now and it's the ridiculous thought of, of the offer sheet. And, you know, Mike heard it first, so I'll let Mike start it up. Well, it, yeah, I mean, and I see the thing is, of course, and being a member of the Toronto media, I, I hesitate to sort of criticize, but I realize that you have sort of had to sort of feed the beast. And, um, you know, they can't be happy with the fact that the Leafs are three and one right now. And, you know, everybody's, you know, just wowed about the off uh, the offense that's going on. They have to worry about worry about the the scenario of next summer with uh, Austin Matthews and with Mitch Marner being restricted free agents and you know how can they fit these players and the and the ongoing thing with William Nylander and Nick Kiprios came out with well you know you know Austin Matthews is a prime candidate for an offer sheet and if he's an offer if he's offer sheeted I mean this would be a situation where if the Arizona Coyotes you know they could get a building built if they had Austin Matthews there's only one problem Nick and I, I I respect I respect you but there's only one problem the Leafs will match anything that they put out so they're not getting them yeah, so it's but, not happening okay but they can't do that with everybody. So if they've got, but they can't. They can't do. This is this Matthews. Is not, they're going to do it. But so let's 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 play that scenario for a second. Arizona offers him fifteen million. Play that scenario. Go ahead. Yeah. Austin Matthews gets fifteen million dollar a year offer from Arizona. Yep. They go and and at least match it. Okay. So now, yep. now you know Arizona's like okay, fine. We're gonna we're gonna throw eleven million dollars on the table for Mitch Marner. No 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 oh, no. They're not. No, they're not. Hey, this is the problem. This, no, this, no, 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 no. Time, time, time. This, this is, is the problem. The motivation is there and understandable for Arizona to offer sheet Matthews. He's from Scottsdale. I, he I won't use Arizona. I'll I'll throw um Seattle. No, no, we have to use Arizona. Right. If you, Arizona, first of all, Arizona is a is a financially strapped organization. Yeah, if, well, let me let me Carolina. finish. Let's say Carolina. Wait, wait on Carolina because there's a thought here, Eric. When 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 they brought up the Coyotes and this farcical number that they would all of a sudden throw on the table, then the thought is, well, somebody will buy the 49% overnight because it's Austin Matthews, and then fans will just magically show up. Listen, it didn't happen for the Islanders with John Tavares. It yeah. did. I thought it would. I wrote that it would because I remember what the Islanders, hold on, but I remember what the Islander fans were like and what the base was like. When they had John Tavares, they still weren't selling out on a regular basis at the Coliseum. That's why the Coliseum had financial trouble. That's why they're still in financial trouble. It's partially on the ownership, too. Don't get me and, wrong. But Arizona is not going to become a great market overnight, no matter what players play in there. And Austin Matthews, when he went there for his first game, they had they had a, they had twelve thousand people. Yeah, if he's yeah, the, no, if, if he's this that. if he's this great gate attraction for being the hometown boy from Scottsdale, there should have been there should have been people you know uh, you know scalpers outside selling tickets for double the amount. And what didn't happen? So I mean, I can understand the, the the thought process that yeah, you could you could put this as the centerpiece of your organization. But first of all, the Leafs will match 
anything that they offer. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no one's going to get Matthews out of there. But the issue, the issue, the issue isn't Matthews as much to me as it is the other players because if 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 they have to match on Matthews, that does put them into problems. Without they have a lot of players they have to sign. So well, that would be my point. Like Kyle Dubas would say, "Hey, I'm just letting you know." Uh, we're probably going to get rid of Nylander. If you're interested in letting us know, and we really like Clayton Keller. I see he's coming up for a deal. Yeah, and that's the thing that the but the the, 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 the ability fifteen million dollars. No, no, but the ability to the, the ability to uh, exact retribution, and that that's the thing. That's all Tor you're doing is this retribution. Yeah. Toronto can offer sheet somebody, and their first round picks compared to Arizona's are worthless. They'll be in the twenties. Well, sure. So, and they they could go out there and they they could they could let Marner go and go after Keller and but, then but they, but other than Marner then fine if that's what but they they're, want but they're not see that and that's the thing it's like the res, the response and I, I have heard this from from other people it's like well if they match on Matthews and somebody's going to offer sheet Marner well they'll re, they'll they'll match Marner too and first of all Marner's from Toronto he loves it here no, if I mean, they that's pay the bigger, that's the bigger point here I mean that 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 is that's the bigger thing is these guys want to stay in the Maple Leafs so it's like these guys aren't gonna They'll take a little bit less to play there. Not a lot less, but they'll take a little bit less, and right. they'll have to. And Elander doesn't seem like he, you know, at least at this point, doesn't isn't acting like he runs to be. He cares where he plays as much as these guys. But that's also, I, I really feel bad for Elander. I think he's getting. No, I, 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 I mean, honestly, I, he's a good kid. I've, I've talked to him in, in scrums yeah. a bunch of times. I think he's, you know, he's a class, he's a classy player. He's got a lot of talent, but this is of his making. You know, he, he has no leverage. He can't demand a no trade clause because it's not available on a second contract. He he's asking for money that he really hasn't earned yet. He's had two sixty point seasons. Yeah. He's basically projecting, well, I'm going to be this great player, so you should give me eight. No, it's show me. I'm from Missouri. Show me. Wasn't Michael Nylander his dad? Didn't he also have contract issues? A lot? Yeah, he yeah. That's why he played for six different teams. He's and he's part he's part of the agency. So right, a lot so of people. Heck. Go ahead, Sorry. Russ. So heck. So let's bring into Carolina into this mix. So let's say we're talking Carolina. Well, how much money does Tom Dundon want to lose? Right now in three home games, they've drawn 44,000 people. They're at 78.8% home occupancy. I could tell you in the league that is next to dead last because the Islanders are dead last. And all the team celebrations of everybody diving into the glass will—that won't—that won't get you much in terms of attendance. It's winning. how much does he want to spend over what he what he wants to have his you know cap managed at to take money out of his pocket? He's not going to do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it is such a good little story going on right now, and um, I, I mean, the, great story. I mean, the the only the only thing like just to finish off the offer sheet thing, the only thing that that will force Toronto to do is probably at the end of this year, a they will not be able to re-sign Jake Gardner, and b they might have to trade Patrick Marlowe someplace because he's making six and a quarter. Right, at some point and, it's going to affect them. Right, but but they they will match on Marner, they will match on Matthews, and believe me, if there's any way for them to get exact a bit a little bit of revenge on those teams. They will. That's why offer sheets will not happen. But I'm going to tell you something. You know who the best fans in the league are? We could all say the home markets that we cover because we want to be, you know, homers that way. It's the Chicago Blackhawks fans. They're still at 110% occupancy knowing right. that they're not a very good team. Well, they don't know that, first of all. Um, yeah, they're 3-0-1. Th I think if mean, you talk to fans, they're right. realistic about it. They're still only a couple years away from winning three Stanley Cups. I mean, that's – 
Yeah, you know, I think I think that so if you're a couple years away from winning three Stanley Cups and you have the same player, a lot of the same players on the team. Detroit, that Detroit is second. Yeah, well, the Red Wings. I mean, there there's certain yeah. um, there are certain markets that are just you know. This will and Toronto. And this this will be something I'll be very interested in to see tonight because the Leafs are You're playing in Detroit. Detroit. That also helps a lot. Right, the Leafs are playing in Detroit, and every time I've watched a game in Detroit, you've seen massive empty seats. And I know there's a lot of stuff to do underneath the seats, you know, like corporate boxes and things of that nature, but. You know, you're talking about it's like a Toronto Buffalo game. Even when Buffalo sucks, even when Toronto sucks, every seat is filled. If the seats aren't filled there, I'm a little worried about Detroit. That that building yeah, is they're a big, selling them, Mike. They're still at a hundred percent. I mean, uh, what was the what was the line I heard? Well, the other the optics are terrible. That's yeah, really funny. Some of the players are coming. Some some of the people who are buying tickets are coming coming dressed as empty seats. That's what I heard. Yeah, the other day. Yeah. But they're at a hundred. Detroit is at a hundred percent occupancy. The yeah, no, they, Blackhawks, the Blackhawks are at a hundred and ten. And I talk to Blackhawks fans. That doesn't make any sense. And they're not confident about their team. So they're does not. that mean ten percent are sitting on the laps of other ten percent? No, they have a big. In Chicago, they have a big standing room thing. Like they That's have around the top of the, around the top of the arena. Um, you can stand. Um, whenever I've been there, it's like in the neck because we have to go to the auxiliary press box around that. The SRO room that that they're that's yeah, why they have a standing room. I mean, the Hawks are still a big ticket. I mean, they, 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 they're, they're a hit. You know, they're, they're a hit in that town. And there's no question. They, Canes and Taves are still superstars in that town. They still have, like, they still have that going on. And then, and okay, so somebody in the chat room wants to be a wise guy and say Hawks before 2009. That was because of Bill Works. That was the reason. There was no, I mean, there were, it was all tied into the hatred of ownership. The game wasn't on cable. It wasn't on TV because he thought he thought that that you know they they would they also, sell more they also, tickets. They also got bad to get Taves and Kane. I mean, they were right. and they got those players. Right, I mean, they also missed on a couple of picks. Remember, remember Cam Barker? That was a good pick. Yeah, I mean, I was there at that point when they were at their lowest, and um, in I think it was two. I'm not sure whether it was 2005. I think Calder was the leading scorer. Yes, so they were Mark, really Mark, bad. Mark, I was there, the Mark Bell. While I was there, Mark Bell. Yeah. No, they were, and that was when Duncan Keith was not. They were scratching him um, because he was too young. And I'm, I'll never forget watching the warm, watching the you know the pre skate and um, the, the the morning skate because I was doing a series about different anonymous hockey bloggers just visits different arenas. So I was there and I was with Alison Maglia, who was writing for us at the time. And I'm sitting there at that morning skate, and this and this guy looks unbelievable. I'm like, "Who's that? Oh, that's Duncan Keith. They don't they don't play him though." I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> and this is before oh. first, he was really young. Still, it was like, "Whoa, what the heck?" How yeah. things have changed. Now, act, give us a little bit of a taste of the. Uh... Okay, uh, what can I say? Um, okay, um, I've been trying for the last couple minutes to think about what I'm going to say. Okay, so um. <laughs> Give myself too much trouble. There is there is a lot more to the um the thing I wrote about yesterday with Darnell Nurse that is uh that his name is is definitely out there. Well, this the, okay, um, and it's more than more than two teams like I mentioned yesterday. But there's well, not. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I, I I don't get, and you know maybe you can explain it to me, or maybe you just can't. We can't go into it, and we'll I'll just I'll just theorize, is that they got him on a bridge deal. They got him on a, an affordable bridge deal. I think it was three point one million. I'm just looking up as we talk. Uh, yeah, three point two. So three point two for two years. They can extend him after this year. So if they want to get him on a long term deal, they can do that. But if they even if they want to just go through the bridge deal and then he's got two more years before unrestricted free agency, and he had his best year as a pro last year. 
So I, I know you'd be trading him at his highest possible value. Yeah. Well, this, this, uh, yeah, I know. I, 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 what I've heard is that the bridge deal negotiations were not friendly. Like there was a lot of stuff that went on during that, you know. Um, and and a lot of this has not been really reported on because Edmonton has been overseas, you know. Like they've been, they have been sort of away from everything. Uh, they're back today finally to play their second game in, against yeah. Boston tonight. Um, but and you know then they'll be back in Edmonton and then then everything. I I I predict that when they get back to Edmonton, you're going to be seeing this all over the place. That 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 this darn on thing is going to hit the fan because it just there's so much little bubbling up stuff. Um, that I feel like you know. That, that they're going to move him. Now I don't, you know, where he goes. I, I just don't understand why they would like. No, I, there's no real reason for like as far as players go. I mean, I think he's a star. I think he's a great player, and I. I don't know about a star, but I think he's a, like Russ. What do you what do you project him as? I think he's a, at best a, a like a really good second pairing. I don't think he's a top pairing yeah, guy. I think, I think you could you could have him as a number three on the right team. Uh, he's probably a four on most teams. He's and, physical. And he's physical, and he's a great skater, and he and he, I think he can get forty five points. Yeah, a little more outside than you guys think. I think he could be. A, I, think, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he's a top pairing. I don't. No, I don't think he's top pairing. I don't, but, think, you know, I don't think he is now, but I feel. I feel like. I feel like we only scratched the surface with him. I feel like there's more to his game. Well, he's only twenty-two, and he's only twenty-three. Right, fair. But I mean, with 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 the with the dearth of of available defensemen, I mean, they could they could exact. A pretty good return for him, but the thing is, and this is the thing that you have to consider: their weak spot is defense. So they're trading from a spot of weakness. So you know, if they can do a D for D swap, great. But there are not many teams out there that are interested in a D for D swap. If he's talking with, if it's Buffalo or Montreal or Toronto or any of the teams out there that we know are looking for defensemen, they have forwards. Yeah. Or they're interested in trading forwards or forward prospects for defense. You know, the Leafs are not trading Timothy Liljegren for Darnell Nurse. They're trading. Well, you know, there, they, they there are there are teams out there, um, Carolina and. Uh, I mean, Carolina. Carolina's well, loaded. You know, defense. That, that could be that could be a third partner in this kind of thing. Um, yeah, Carolina, Philly are two teams that come to mind. I, I think it's important to note that. So I'm looking at shots for Darnell Nurse and. He actually, like, last year took 3.1 per game, which is, you know, a fair amount. Yeah. And he had 26 points. I think I'm being generous with 45 being, like, the top of his game. I mean, he had 26, and he played every game. I think in a better situation, I'm giving him, you know, 14 more points, and I, you know, maybe 20. I think I might be on the little on the high end there, but I'm willing to do it. But then, again, he, he's taking shots. So – I think the offense that you're you're hoping for really has to blossom even more than what we're seeing a lot more. I think he's a I think he's a thirty to thirty five point defenseman, um, who who when he matures a little more will be somebody who clears the front of the net, who can knock people around in the he likes to hit. You know, it's it's a he's a well rounded defenseman. I don't think he's going to be an offensive juggernaut though. So, but you know, again, those guys are valuable. And coming off his best year and being affordable for the next two years, if Montre if if Edmonton wants to trade him, they'll get they'll have takers and they'll they'll get a lot of interest. But I, I just I just question Chiarelli. It's like okay, uh, you know, it's like it's like it's the it's the equal of Carolina trading Jeff Skinner when they had trouble scoring goals. Makes no sense. Well, yeah, but the, I mean, the difference here though is like he's signed for a couple more years. You're right, and there is more to it. Like Skinner was Skinner is 
is an expiring contract. Yeah. Going to be a UFA. Like, I mean, I think he's going to go to UFA. I don't think he's going to stay in Buffalo. He might, but I don't think he is from what I've heard. Um, But it's it's possible he is. I mean, I, if I'm the Leafs, I would trade Nylander for Nurse. I would. I think it would would cost them more. I mean, it would would cost Edmund. Draft pick, and that's fine. Yeah, it'd be Nurse and something for Nylander. I don't think it's going to be I think that's fair. I think it'd be Nurse and, and a second or third round pick. I do. Yeah. But I, but but right right now right now and this I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stop you for a second. I don't think it would because and the reason I say that is I honestly when I talk to people, it feels like if like if if two players are equal and that and you know and you say you have a forward with 100 percent value and the and a defender with 100 percent value, the defender is like 120 percent value versus the forward. Like there's definitely um, there's definitely more. Yeah, you have to look at it like Nylander could be a top line player on some teams. Yes. Nurse is not going to be a top pair. And Nurse is signed. Nylander is not. And in terms of valuation, in terms of asset management, if you're talking about Nylander and his worth as a unsigned RFA on a bridge deal and or on a long-term economical deal, his worst value is as an unsigned RFA because the other team has to has to get him signed and may have to spend more money than they than they want to. That's that's why I think the first move here is to get Neil under sign, either to a bridge deal or a long-term deal, and then only and only then will the Leafs consider trading him. And I don't know if they would be immediate. It may be immediate. It could be a year or two down the road. But I don't think they're going to be held hostage to William Neilander's want to make eight million. First of all, he's never going to make eight million. If he for the Edmonton Oilers, they're not going to pay him eight million on top of Drysaitel and on top of McDavid. He can't control what happens here, so you know he can't control where he goes. And the question, I mean, I agree that you know that it it takes his, you know, you still have to sign him if your Oilers still have to sign him, so you have to figure it out. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna change the out the outlook of of Lewis Gross and Michael Nealander to say, okay, now he's traded to Edmonton, now we'll sign for six million bucks. No, they think they're worth eight right now, and that's what they want from anybody. Right. It's just a willingness of what team is willing to pay them that much money. And if it's somebody like Detroit who's got Dylan Larkin and maybe one or two other good players and they have the cap space, then sure. If it's Toronto and you're trying to fit all those eggs in one basket, they're gonna say no. It's not happening. Yeah. I mean, I, and another, and the final thing I'll say is, and I just got a text somebody will let me say this, is that the Rangers are also in on Nylander, as I was told. So, Well, I can see that. I mean, again, yeah. I've told you that I feel like this is the last season of their rebuild. Yeah. I well, gotten that feeling. I don't have First and last season or no? Last season and this season. This this will be the end of the rebuild like because okay. they're going to start to – they, to me, they've gotten picks that they wanted to. They've turned over the roster. They've added the young talent. Right. They don't want to waste the rest of Lundqvist's career. They don't. Well, I, I, you know, I won't speculate because, but I, I can only look at at the Rangers and as they're currently constructed and what they what the Leafs would want for Neilander and the, the first name would be Brady Shea. And if it doesn't include Brady Shea, then I don't think there's a deal. There's no way that they would get Brady Shea for Neilander. Then there's not going to be a deal. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they'll get Brady Shea. Uh, but look, I mean, they're not going to trade him for Shattenkirk. They're not going to trade him for Mark Stahl. It's not, there's no. There's no. It, it would say, have to hold be. On, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If here, this is you know, Mike, you're not the GM. Just listen to this for a minute. I know uh, you want to be, but if he's older than you, if the Leafs know, like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. 
Right. But if William Nylander has told the Leafs, I am not signing with you for anything less than, and if they say we're never going to do that, they right. might accept Shattenkirk and another player for William Nylander. Absolutely they would. No. no I would disagree with that. I don't think so. I think I totally agree with you because because they're kind of also have to worry about Jake Gardner. He would replace Jake Gardner if nothing else. If they if they lost Jake Gardner, and yeah, because yeah, here's the thing on something like that. I've seen this happen before. If if that is the case, if Russ is if just let's play a scenario out. If if they know more than we think they know about, and Nylander's talked to them, and they probably do, that right. doesn't stay private very long. Right. Because there comes a point at which. You know, they they'll give them. They usually what the agent will say is, you know, we know we're gonna sign here. We're not gonna say anything about it, but we got to get a deal done. At yeah. some point, Nylanders keeps getting dragged through the mud. They're gonna they're gonna say if we don't have if we're not out of here in the next couple of days, we're gonna talk about being right. out. Yeah, we'll be we'll be reading it in slap shots with Larry with our. With our uh, <laughs> but you know what it is. Eck has a point. If if word ever got out that they're at an impasse, Nylanders' value drops a lot. And right down. Yep. Yep. And then you're stuck. So right now. That hasn't happened yet. Now it, they, it might not be an invest, you know. It might, be, but but if it is, we'll know about it. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today, guys. The part of a deal, I could. Yeah, I think I, I and I, I think yeah, you can't sit there and ask for for their best defenseman. Sure, right? you can. No, you for for a guy that's sure not you can. Sticks. I mean, it's like it's just it doesn't even make any. I mean, to me. Well, the Rangers. Will, let's just say if it's Shattenkirk, the Rangers are going to have to eat about two million bucks. Yeah, they don't care about that. They will. They've got loads of caps. Yeah, that's not an issue. Okay. I think Shattenkirk would be a disaster in Toronto. Can I throw that out there? <laughs> like- I, mean, I don't know because he has Mike Babcock. I disagree on that. I think you can absolutely manage the same way Mike Babcock managed JVR the way he wanted to. He could manage Kevin Shattenkirk very easily. But that's the problem, Russ. They need a defenseman that they don't need to manage. They're already managing What's Gardner. Like, on, Mike? You haven't been a- they haven't been able to. Yeah, they need a defenseman who can play in all situations, and they don't have that other than Morgan Riley. That's well, the problem. And guess what? They still may not have that anywhere on their team. I like, right, but, but they're not. They're, 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 they're not going to. They're not going to trade one of their better assets to get a guy who needs to be managed. They need to get somebody. One of their better assets anymore. That's the problem. They, oh, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I'm no. kind of. Yeah, I'm. I'm with both of you guys, but I. I do think Shattenkirk is at a very dangerous point in his career right now because of the fact that he. Of course, he is getting scratched, which is a bad thing. And I keep going back to the fact that St. Louis didn't try hard to keep him. And I know he's going to walk. They I knew they said he was going to do it in New York and all that stuff. And they had, and he was kept saying they kept saying that to him. But at the same time, I, I don't look at that. that things things were bad in St. Louis for a long time before he was traded. I mean, yeah. you would talk to people in St. Louis, and they're like, and you know, I remember talking to Andy Strickland, and people you know, they, in St. Louis, and saying like, yeah, she's the most under, most overrated player in the NHL. I think. I, I, I don't look at that. Really went really went sour on Shattenkirk in St. Louis. They, I don't look at it strangely because they did the same thing with Paul Stasny the following year. They traded an ex, they traded an expiring contract who was a good player who they knew wasn't going to re-sign there when they were still in a playoff race. They did the same thing two years in a row. It's the philosophy yeah, that, of Doug Armstrong. I mean, that's a team that you should cover because they do like to trade their good players right before they get into the playoffs. You're right about that. That, that, <laughs> that, that. that is Mike's favorite thing in the world to trade your good well, players. Here's, here's the thing. I know there are some people in the chat room that are just like. They, they look at Shattenkirk like, yeah, he you know he can't play. That's totally not true. He's actually these are his first games. Hold on, these are his first games back coming off a major injury on a team that's not great. Let's go with that to start. And then the other thing is, again, we for all we know, Nylander could be a dwindling asset that the Leafs completely know about 
that soon they're going to have to move because they're not going to have, unless they're going to let him hold out for the year, which again, I don't think that benefits anybody. Well, no, it well, Russ, the one the last thing on this in, in if it's, if it's between holding on to him past December 1st as an asset uh, and, and, and not getting full value for him, they'll hold on to him. Yeah, I don't know about that. They will not. They will not trade him for less than what they deem as full value. I, somebody will pose that to Brendan Shanahan, and I think you might get an answer that you're not expecting. Okay. We'll At see. some point, there is no reason to play that game, Mike. When you're, if your team is really good, because sure. what happens is you're, that that just becomes a crazy thing that you don't need. Like they, they're gonna, they're gonna be like, we're, we're good. We're our team's playing really well. Right. And we, we just gotta. Oh, it, they're just, they're just gonna, they're gonna want to end this situation because. Right. right. Yeah, that's how it goes. But okay, we'll talk about that then. Yep. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon, guys. Remember that the buzz is just hockey. Talk to you tomorrow.